0: If you will this morning, turn with me to our text. Our text is found in Romans 11, verse 36. That's Romans eleven, thirty-six. For of him, and through him, and to him, are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, truly how great Thou art. I pray this morning, Lord, that Thou would take our minds from the things of this world, from the things of self, from the things of sin, that You would lay our feet, lay our minds and our hearts at Thy feet, that You truly, Lord, would exalt Thyself and show us, Lord, how sovereign, what a great Lord Thou art to us this day. I pray, Lord, as we enter into Thy holy word, that You would enter in first that you would reveal to us thy truth, that you would bring us to see how great thy sovereignty is over us this day, and that, Lord, you would reveal peace and comfort and thy love. Lord, to thee be all glory. Great things truly, Lord, thou hast done. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning, as I've read already, in Romans eleven thirty six, 36, For of him... And through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And the first thing I think of, and the Lord takes me to, is his divine sovereignty. When I read those words, I he brings me to see a sovereign Lord ruling over all things, for of him, through him, and to him are all things. I think... You know, I, I had some blessed times this week this week and weekend where the Lord took me to eternity. And if he ever takes you there to just think and to ponder and to take a sea law that before there was ever world any world made, before there was any inhabitants upon this earth, before there was any voices anywhere, before there was anything, there was a triune God who was there in eternity. There wasn't even time. There was nothing to oppose Him. There was no one's voice. There was no unbelief. There was nothing negative. There was nothing but a sovereign God. Three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And at that moment, and I shudder to say those words because I don't even know how to describe it without time. We don't know. We don't know what it's like to... To not have time be mentioned in our everyday life and, and to be governed by time. But when there was nothing, there was our Lord. The three in one. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost made a covenant. Made a covenant with each other. And the Father elected a people... And the Son said, I will willingly lay down my life and become a surety for those people that you, Father, have elected. I will be their salvation. I will be their life. And the Holy Ghost said, Yes, and I will teach and lead all of those elect people to what the Son has done for them. I will reveal to them and seal them in this life that their life is hidden with Christ and in Christ all to the father's good pleasure all according to the father's will and I, and as the lord takes me to that time i think of how much love there was in that covenant and is we don't we don't think about that when we read these terminology and we see that he was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. This perfect plan of redemption and salvation. That not that then then you read these scriptures of how the Lord brought Herod and Pilate and everyone together, everything working perfectly for these this elected body of people that the Lord's God said, These are my this is my chosen church, and I will do everything. Everything for those people. And think about those things. Think about that time now. And this morning as we come to our text, I, Lord willing, am going to focus on the Son. I'm going to focus on Christ. For of Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. Because that's what the Father instructs me to do. If you look with me first and foremost this morning to establish this truth, we go to a Colossians 1. If you'll go with me over to Colossians 1 this morning to read these precious words. And we'll just begin in verse 12. As Paul now is praying for the church there at Colossae, and he's asking the Lord to reveal to them these things. So, same that I would ask the Lord to reveal to us today these things. And we'll begin in 12. He says, Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us, the church, meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. The Father has done that through His electing purpose, through His electing power. He has, he has, And we give thanks unto the Father for that. For without that, without the Lord electing us, and notice, we weren't even around. We had no say in the matter. We had no contribution to make to our salvation or our election. It was all of Him. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us. Past tense. That's what we have in eternity. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now there wasn't a a power of darkness in eternity. But there was in the mind of the Lord. There was in His eternal purpose that it would be purposed to enter in the garden that way. Even before then, when the fallen angels would fall from heaven. So we see this, we see that He's delivered us from the power of darkness and He's translated us. He's put us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So the translation here, you see the the power of the Father to the Son. And that's the way Paul understands it. He understands that everything now is in the power of the Son. He is the King of over all His creation. He is the King over all of His people. He is the King over all providence. He is the King over all things. And He's translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who is ruling. Our life is in our King, Lord Christ. In whom? That's Jesus. We have redemption through His blood. The One who purposed in eternity, this Lamb that was slain, to save His people from their sins. His blood would flow. His blood would justify us. His blood would sanctify us. His blood would make us holy. We have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Paul throws that in because it's hard for us to imagine it. If we just had it imagined one time when He did it on the cross, that would be glorious enough. But to have it applied to us every day or as often as the Lord does to our souls, to our minds, to show us that we're washed in that blood. That there is a fountain open for the people of God. And that fountain is the blood of Christ. Even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, He was the one made manifest. He was the one that came and took upon Him the nature of our flesh without sin. The firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created. See how the Father has given everything into the hands of the Son. He is the Creator of all things that are in heaven, that are in earth, Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. It's the transference of the three in one to the one, Christ. To say, you are ruling over all. This is what I've given you. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. He has preeminence over all the small things, over all the big things in providence, over death, over hell, over everything. For it pleased the Father, that's what we wanted to get to, it pleased the Father that in Him, Christ, should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, Christ is all, and then that's what we said, that's what our text says, of Him, through Him, to Him. So that's our, back, that's, our, that's our base we're building on this morning. The Father is pleased that He has put all things in the power rulership of King Jesus and he is reigning today and he is reigning in the lives of his people now let's go back to our text in Romans 11 and we'll read down from 33 which is glorious oh Lord be pleased to let us enter into this mind oh the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Paul, the writer, says, Oh, how rich and deep is the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. Unsearchable doesn't mean that we don't search them. It just means we can't get to the mind of the Holy One in why He does what He does. And I say, I hear that a lot. I've heard it a lot in the last week or two. That's why the Lord led me to this passage. It's because I've heard the sovereignty of God come into question. I've heard it. In what, I don't know why things are the way they are. I don't know why that turned out that way. I don't know why this person. I don't know why this happened. And our passage today explains the whys. It answers that word why that we ask every day of our lives. Why? Because He is because it is pleasing to Him. There's nothing outside of His will and purpose and there's nothing that happens that we say, oh, the Lord didn't know that. He ordained the fall of Adam. He ordained the fall of the angels. He has ordained all of what we see in these Holy Scriptures and everything that is revealed in life. So... How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways, past finding out. It shows our dependency. We have no enlightenment of the Lord unless he lets those crumbs drop from his table, and he allows us. He opens our eyes, and he see, And we saw that in the garden when when Mary came. We saw that when she she didn't know it was Jesus. We saw the two on the road to Emmaus. We are dependent upon the Lord. Opening our eyes and our understanding to know his sovereignty and to know his will. Who can have that mind? Who can, that's what he says in his judgment is past finite. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? The answer to that is no one. No one has the mind of Christ unless it's given. Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. How can he say we have the mind of Christ in one place and say who can know the mind of the Lord in another place? Because it's by gift. Because it's by Him. Everything, and that's what he's establishing here, in divine sovereignty. It comes through Him, by Him, and to Him. So, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Who can say to the Lord... Why do you form me this way? Why is this situation this way? And yet we hear man do it every day. Why? Because there's not a fear in their heart. There's not a, a reverence to the Lord. He has not shown them these words. He has not given that holy, what He said He would do to His people, I will put a fear in their heart. And they reverence the Lord. And they look and they say, Lord, I know not thy will but my, not my will but thy will be done i may not understand what tomorrow brings but i know lord you hold it you have revealed that that you are the sovereign over all things for who has known the mind of the lord or who has been his counselor or who has first given to him no one he is the first cause of all things. He is the Creator Lord. We don't love Him unless He loved us first. We don't believe in Him unless He's the author and finisher of our faith. And we're going to get to that in here in a minute. Who or who has first given to Him or and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? The answer to that too is no one. Who can have the first cause on this God? Who can react and God react to him? No one. No one. Oh, may the Lord impress that upon us this morning. If the Lord is pleased to reveal his sovereignty to us, as the days unfold, as the world's events unfold, there's no questions for the child of God. There's no why is this going on. He looks at the wickedness and depravity of man. He knows He knows that His Lord is ruling. He knows His Lord is judging. He knows His Lord is in control of all things. That's the peace which He gives His children. To know that God is never taking time off. And then we get to our text. For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. This morning we'll look at each one of these. And the first one we come to is of Him. And I've already hinted on it a little bit first. He is the first cause. He is the author and finisher of our faith. We love Him because He first loved us. As you listen and really ask the Lord to search those passages, this those two I just mentioned. What does it mean, Lord? Does that mean I can have faith at any time in my life? Does that mean that I can just turn on a switch? I mean, if you are the author and you're the beginning of it and you are the end of it and which tells me that you're everything in between, does that not mean that you are the sovereign power over all of that? Yes And that's what the Lord reveals to his children that dependency. I love to speak about the dependency that we have upon the Lord. because to me it's it's comfort. it's me and now think of this now. Because that truly has to be something the Lord shows you. Because coming from a child, growing into a young man, growing into the responsibility of being in union with a with my wife, being the head of the home, and then having the blessing of four children that the Lord gave me, being a father and head of the home, and then being placed in, in various places that in my jobs where I've been over people... You, It's easy to get that mindset that you have some kind of control in things. But the Lord in His abundant mercy, He humbles the child of God and He brings Him to Him just like that little child that sat on Jesus' knee and Jesus said, unless you become like Him, just totally dependent upon Me, you can't enter, you can't see, you can't understand the kingdom, you can't understand the King. You can't understand what He's done for His subjects. And I do mean subjects. Of Him. He is the first cause of life, of redemption, of justification, of sanctification. All of these words that we've come up with to describe what God has done. Some of them biblical, some not. But all of them pointing... To what an attribute of what He's done. He's made us holy. He has made us righteous before the Father. He has clothed us in His righteousness. He has obeyed perfectly. He has justified us. He said, Father, they are not guilty because of my obedience. Because of my righteousness. Because of the robe that I've put upon them. And the Father sees that. It's all of Him. I know I've said that a lot. It's because it is the theme He is the way. That's what he told told his disciples. I am the way. Now that's distinctive to me. He didn't say I am a way. He said I am the way. We in our minds concoct a lot of ways in this life. We have a situation that God brings in his providence in our life. And we sit down and say, well, if I go this way, this is going to happen. If I do it this way, this is going to happen. If I go this route, this is going to happen. And how frivolous that is because the sovereign Lord has already concocted and shown and has the way. Who can have that mind? When the Lord blesses us in that union to give us that mind, then He shows us the way. The way always leads to Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. He is not a truth. He is the truth. He is the life. He's not a life. We don't have a life and then have a Christian life. We have a life that's in Christ Jesus. That He is the power of. That He is the dependency of. That He is the faith of. John said this in 1 John 5, 11 and 12. He said, and this is the record. This is what I, in this letter that I've written to, to you, John says this to the elect. He says, this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. To the church, to every elect vessel in the church, he has given to us eternal life. And this life that he has given us is in his son. It's not in our thoughts. It's not in any kind of remedy or any kind of healing or any kind of... Our life is in the Son. He that has the Son has life. And he that that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It seems so simple. It seems so differentiating. It seems so easy, doesn't it? There's always two sides. The sheep and the goats. The wheat and the tares. We don't always know who those are, do we? But I tell you, we feel a lot more comfortable about people when we see Christ. In because Christ said, or the Lord said here, Christ is life. And as people witness of Christ, what he's done in their life, who he is in their life, that is so much more entreated to the child of God. His ears perk up. He says, oh, there's there's one of of those 7,000 that hadn't bowed his knee to Baal. There's one of them. And we take great thankfulness and praise to the Lord for that. Acts 4.12 says this, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Given under heaven Given among men whereby we must be saved. One name. Jonah said that when he he was in the belly of the well. He was brought to see salvation is of the Lord. This same Christ that's being preached today is the only one that could deliver him in the belly of that well. And he did. There's no other name given among men. There's no other name that we can put our trust in. There's no other name. And, And I know that we have relationships. And the Lord is gracious to give us relationships with one another. But never, never exalt that person to a place of idolatry where what they think, you have to think. What they do, you have to do. What they Who they are is who you are. No. Oh, that's Christ. That's Christ's position in the lives of His elect. John said this in John 15, 5, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, that shows you the power there, I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Because I abide in my church, they bear fruit. And then he tells us, in case we start to stumble, say, wait a minute, is it you, is it me? For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You know, I've, I've been in conversations. I've even said it from up here sometimes, and I've seen some faces that that rubs man the wrong way. It really does. The pride of man says, no, there, there's some things I can do without you. Sin accepted. We can certainly sin. We're good at that. But the Lord says there is nothing that you can do without me. Nothing good. Nothing holy. Nothing just. Nothing in life. For without Him, we can do nothing. So that's of Him. Of Him. And it speaks of our dependency upon Him. It's like when Paul was, um, when the Lord sent him that thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. And, and he he struggled. And he kept crying out to the Lord for deliverance. And the Lord told him in... Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. See how the Lord shows us, and he does that through the trials, and he does that through the thorns, and he does that through the infirmities that we have to bring us to where we are dependent upon. And that's what, he, that's what Paul said. He, he said, That The Lord said to him, my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's our weakness when we're brought down. Most gladly, Paul said, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And you say, well, is that the only time the power of Christ rests upon us? Absolutely not. He does show us his power in our infirmities by making us decrease, then he increases. But he does that in our thoughts, in our actions, by his word. It's not all the times through sickness or uh, hardship. Or those things that we think. We we shrivel up and say, Well, that's the only way I can learn of the Lord. No. We grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord as He reveals Himself through His Word. Through the times that we have in this life. It could, you could be walking in the street or walking across the lo- the road and the Lord come to you with power and just reveal as the two on the road to Emmaus were. The so Lord just opened their understanding and said, this is this is who I am. So everything is of him. Everything. But it's also through him. Through him means it speaks of his sustaining power. So it's ongoing. Like Philippians 4:13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth. It's an ongoing thing. We need a strength as much yesterday as we'll need today is what we need tomorrow. The strength to live. The strength to overcome sin. The strength to see to see Him. The strength to walk in His power. And not according to the thoughts that we have. That can sometimes be very debilitating of sorrow or depression or whatever those things are. We need His strength. We need His strength daily. Everything is through Christ. It's just like He said in Ephesians 2.7. He said... That in the ages or times to come, that He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's in the times to come, Paul said. So it's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing, the Lord revealing to us, renewing our minds and revealing who He is. Mercies that are new each day and the faith to see them. The faith to lay hold of them. The faith to believe them. Paul said in Romans 5, one, Therefore being justified. That's a past term. By faith, we have peace. That's an ongoing term. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ongoing peace because we were justified in eternity. Because when the Lord died on the cross... And said it is finished. He finished everything for us. That was the time in time where the Lord's purpose came from eternity. Showing us that we everything that we have is secured in Him. Everything we have need of. Victory every day in our warfare or every, as many times as the Lord leads us. Sometimes it's not daily. Sometimes we go days without a revelation or without knowing the Lord's presence. I think of that, uh, what was it, eight days before the Lord came to Thomas and told him, when the when Thomas said, I, I won't believe until I put my hands in his side and, and I see him that way. It was eight days. That was the Lord's ordained time for him to be there with his thoughts. And the Lord preparing, and when the, that time came, It was my Lord and my God. We're not even told that he put his hand in his side. We're not even told that he touched him. It's just the Lord told him, Be not faithless and believe. And that power came. That's our Lord. That's the Lord who has done all things for us and given us the victory. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says, But thanks be to God which giveth. That's an ongoing, that's a that's a future term. Giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a past, it's a present, it's a future term. And then, of course, you know I love Galatians 2.20, so yes, I will take the time and read that again. I am crucified with Christ. That's a past tense, but it's an ongoing tense too because the Lord has to reveal to us that we're dead to this world. We're dead to the rudiments of this world. We're dead to sin. How? How? Through the life of Christ. The body of Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Live. I'm living, Paul said. But it's not me. Yet not I, but Christ living in me. It's the Christ who lives. Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in this body, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by His faith. Mine hasn't gotten me anywhere. Mine persecuted people. Mine believed a lie. But the faith of the Son of God is life. It leads to Him. It leads to His work. It leads to what He has done. And why, Paul? Why do you have that faith? Who loved me and gave Himself for me. Out of love. The Lord giving Himself for His church so that we have all things in Him, of Him, through Him. And of course, to Him. Now we notice this last term is to Him. And then after that we hear are all things, and then it says to whom be glory forever. So that to I'm going to kind of combine for the last part of this. To Him means everything He does Reciprocates back from the church to Christ. We talked about that a little bit last week when I when I talked about the, what the the elect said when Jesus said, "You you you gave me uh, water, you clothed me, you did all these things." And the church is like, "When did we do that?" That's the power of the Lord to reveal to us that He is with us, that the fruit that He bears in us is an ongoing fruit bearing and the Lord does that because He is our life and He is our everything. So um, as I said, it returns back to Him. It redounds. We'll use that term here in a minute. Um, all glory belongs to Him. It is His work of love and life. 1 Corinthians one thirty one tells us that according as it is written He that glories And we do glory in this life. We glory in Christ's work. That's what he says. Let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. That's that. When the Lord reveals to us, and as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, when I live my life by the, see that glory that Paul is giving back to the Lord, that's the terminology that the people of God use. It's not what I've done for God. It's not what I've done or this is my merits that's gotten me ready for heaven. I feel very a lot of empathy for those people. I'm around a lot of those people. And it's sad. It is really sad that in that way they believe that that's the way to please the Father. When we've heard today, what is it that pleases the Father? Everything is in His Son. And that glory that belongs to his son, his people, his elect, praise him. That's what 2 Corinthians 4.15 says. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound, means go back to the glory of God, return to him. That's what we're here for. I remember way, way back in the day when children were little and i was catechizing them and uh, that was the first point the chief end of man is to glorify god and enjoy him forever don't know how true that is at this point other than i know the chief end of man is to is to glorify christ it is it is but we only do that by him It redounds to him, it goes back to him. Listen to how Paul ends this letter to the Romans in 1627. He says to the to God only wise, the only one of wisdom, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Be glory through Jesus Christ. So not only is we've heard, we glory, we glory in the Lord. Our passage tells us, to whom be glory. It's that same one. To whom? Of him and to whom is Christ to whom be glory forever and so from Christ to us and back to Christ and if you don't see in that that it's none of it you then you're missing the first cause you're missing the first part of this message you're missing what the lord has done on our behalf and the only reason we can is because of him and and i and i sometimes i think when when the Lord raises me up to speak that way, you think I'm thinking it's some kind of fatalistic thing, that it just happens. But it's a surety. It's it's an absolute promise of the Lord that He's yea and amen in all of His promise. He will do it. That's what He says. And I believe it. I believe it by faith of His giving that He will do it. Faithful is He that calls His children to a life in Christ. He will do it. He will do it all. And finally, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, and how did He do it? In the face of Jesus Christ. I hope the Lord writes upon your heart daily to praise God him he is the reason we have breath he is the reason we have any thoughts of goodness toward him he is the reason we have any love that is pure he is the reason that we are washed and delivered from sin and if we're not condemned if we don't have that condemnation in our minds and our hearts, it's because of him he's applied the blood to our minds and our hearts, and shown us that we are forgiven. What man does not want to be forgiven? And I use man as in man, woman. Who doesn't want to be forgiven and to be made clean? And I mean that in the church and of the elect. And then our text ends with a little four letter word Amen. Amen means I assent to it. It's an absolute truth. I totally agree. I totally believe it. It is truth. Back in the day, way back in the day, when the, the gospel preacher would preach a message to his people, the end of those messages, they would say, Amen. I agree with what's been said. My heart is knit with the heart of the gospel. Amen. Amen means absolutely. I wonder how many times the Lord has led our hearts to, to praise Him in that way. Amen. Amen. I'd like to finish today um, in Isaiah 40. Just the end of Isaiah 40. I'll say the end. It's actually, I'm going to start with a few questions this morning. And I pray as I read this to you this morning that the Lord impresses our passage to us for of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Look at verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? I Think about it. How many times have we heard the gospel? How many times has it been preached to us? How many times have you been told of Christ? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. I Think about that sometimes. That word comes to my mind when I hear man boast. When I hear man tell me, when I hear these world leaders warning other, other countries about how strong they are and will do this, I think, Grasshopper. The Lord brings that word to me. Grasshopper. Because that's what they are to Him. The inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. That stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. That sounds like he has ordained the defeat of our enemies, his enemies, and he's done away with them. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who has created these things that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Can we say that what we do is hidden from the Lord? No. He is sovereign. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, He faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. They're brought to the end of themselves. We must increase as he, and we must decrease as he increases. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young, vigorous man is no match for the Lord's sovereign power. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they. They that wait upon the Lord. How do we wait? David said it many times. Wait upon the Lord. How do we wait? Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of Christ. Just as faith, just as joy, just as love. Dependency. Oh, what a, what a merciful Lord to cause us to Wait. Wait for that promise to be fulfilled. But they that wait upon the Lord shall shall renew their strength. They shall. Absolute promise. It is done. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. There's our strength. There's our sustaining grace and strength. And they shall walk And not faint. Shall again. That is who we speak of this morning. Who I speak of this morning. For of him. And through him. And to him. Are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. O Lord add thy power. And add thy clarity. Lord come with thy sovereign power. To our souls reveal thy peace and love and comfort in seeing, Lord, that you are our King and that you are our all in all. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.